Amen. Good morning. Man, I, I love days like today. It was cooler outside. Did anybody feel it? I know, you know, you can kind of almost feel fall trying to creep in. I love fall. I, 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 Chuck was telling me he was in St. Louis last week. One morning he got up and it was 49 degrees. Don't you feel the Lord in that? Isn't that great? So, hey, we're, we're talking about who is Jesus. I think the more you get to know Jesus, the more you understand how powerful he really is. Remember when I was a kid, I, I don't know if this ever happens to you. Uh, it does to me quite often. I noticed that I, I had some neighborhood friends and we were playing and we started, we moved into the neighborhood. And, and after a while, I started um, looking at them and they looked different. Have you ever noticed that when you can meet somebody and you'll talk to them, but once you start to get to know them, for some reason they just look different? Am I the only one? I think, I think with me, it's that I start seeing them, not just being around them, but I actually stop and notice and see the person. And when you start seeing the person and the person's and that individual's personality, somehow they change. Philip was listening to, to Jesus along with the other disciples. They were listening to Jesus and, and he was giving this discourse. And Philip asked this amazing question of Jesus. He was talking about his father in heaven, and, and Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it will satisfy us. And Jesus' answer was so amazing. He said, Philip, have you been with me such a long time that you still don't even know me? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What was Jesus saying? Paul said it this way in Colossians chapter, I believe, 2, 9. He said, he is the visible image of the invisible God. If you want to understand God's personality, look at Jesus. If you want to understand the love of God, look at Christ. If you want to understand holiness, look at Christ. If you want to understand all the virtues that are embedded in the very nature and being of Almighty God, look at Jesus. The key is, as he told Philip, have you been with me such a long time and you still don't know me? The more you know Jesus, the more he is going to change before you. You'll see him in a different light. I want to talk to you today about an aspect of Jesus found in John chapter 6, 35. Jesus is teaching, preaching, and the Bible says, then Jesus declared. I love the word declare. That simply means to say, to speak out. He was saying what his thoughts were not somebody else's thoughts 
or anything else. It's kind of like, you know, when, you're, when your mom would call you by your first name, it was eh, something you would listen to maybe. But when she used your full name, when she threw in the middle name and last name, you knew you better get with it or they were going to be having a service for you. It's, it's important to know that Jesus declared. It simply means to together, to lay in order, to put his thoughts in a precise debate, to say with authority and conviction. He's not reciting another's thoughts. He's declaring his own. And Jesus knew what he wanted to say, and then he said it. See, when Jesus speaks... There's always a universal truth in what he says. And you say, well, what is a universal truth? There's always an application for your life today, no matter what Jesus says, because his words are always true. So you look at where he said it, who he said it to, and what were the circumstances. You take out that universal truth, and then you apply it to your life today. Everything that Jesus said had a universal truth that could be applied to your life today. Isaiah 55, 11 says this, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. What, what Isaiah 55 is saying of God is, is simply this. Whatever God says, it will come to pass. If God said it, it's going to happen. It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So if Christ spoke it, number one, it is truth. Number two, it is permanent. It's not going to change. If Christ said it, when Christ said, if you destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. He simply meant, if you, if you take the life of this body, I'm going to rise in three days. And he did. Jesus said that when he ascended into the heaven, I will come in like manner. When Jesus said he is returning, you can mark it down, you can put it in your calendar, you can write it, you can get a tattoo it right there on your arm. Jesus is coming back. It's permanent. And what Christ says always, always, always accomplishes his purpose, not our purpose. Sometimes we read things into a scripture that's just not there, but Jesus is saying, if, it, if I said it, it's going to happen. See, Christ's word is fulfilled in his time, in his own way, under his own circumstances. How many times in our lives have we prayed and we felt like God was going to answer our prayer, and he did, and it was in a completely different way than what we thought it would be. And yet, Christ's way is always better than our way. A lot of times when, the, when, when I look at the things that, that I wanted the Lord to, to speak in my life or to answer in my life, if he would have answered them in the way I wanted, it would not have worked well. But the scripture tells us all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Matthew 24, 35 says this, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. 
what Jesus said is permanent. If Christ said it, you need to believe it. And that settles it. Uh, What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? Number one, he said, I'm the bread of life. Now, bread is not just bread. I love bread, by the way. The greatest thing about France is bread. Go to the, to the uh, patisserie uh, or the boulangerie and, and you get a new baguette every morning. I always got two because I ate one on the way home. But it, it's amazing. I love bread, but he's referencing food. Bread is food. All of us need food to survive. You cannot survive without food. Jesus didn't say, I am a bread of life. He didn't say, I am one substance that will sustain your life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. That article, the, is essential. Jesus is saying to those that were listening in the universal truth that applies to us today, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am declaring this with conviction and confidence that, he, that, that I am the only one that can sustain life. Other gods cannot sustain life. The law couldn't sustain life. And I would dare say the Republicans and Democrats cannot sustain life. Only Christ can sustain life. Jesus said once, he said, don't fear the people that can destroy your body. Fear the one, respect the one that can destroy your body and soul. What he's saying is simply this. Man may have control over some things in your life, in this life, but only Christ, only Christ has eternal life to grant to each and every one of us that wants it. He is the bread of life. Thing is, we, we have to receive it. I remember, and this is probably telling you too much because you're going to think this kid was a heathen, but I remember in ninth grade I was late tardy multiple times. Vice principal said, you're going to take squats. And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, well, you can't come back to school until you take them. And I said, no problem. I hate school anyway. I was out two weeks. And then I realized he wasn't caving in. The guy was serious. He said, we're going to do this, and then then we'll go there. I had to submit what I wanted to do, because I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to play football. I had to submit. If I wanted to go to school, I had to go through the vice principal. And what Jesus is saying to us is that without him, there is no way to sustain life once this one is over. If you want eternal life, you have to go through him. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. You can fight what he said. You can disagree with his words. You can rebel against his words, but it doesn't change the truth of his words. The only submission to authority of Christ brings us into compliance 
with his words. When we realize that he is the bread of life and that the only way that we can have eternal life is through him. It doesn't matter what we think. And that's, that's the amazing thing. That's, that's why it's so challenging in our world because all of us have a story and all of us have an opinion. But when it comes to, to things of this life, our opinions are as valid as somebody else's or anybody else's. But when it comes to eternal life, our opinions don't matter. Does that offend us? that Jesus is the only one that can give us eternal life. And it doesn't matter if I agree or disagree. It's still truth. And if I want eternal life, it only comes through submission to his authority that, that I bow my knee to him. This is what Luke declares about Jesus being the authority in Acts 4.12. He said, salvation is found in no one else. No one. For there is no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. Not can be saved, should be saved, or could possibly be saved. But if you want to be saved, if you must be saved, it doesn't come through anybody else than through Jesus Christ. Again, here's Paul. He augments this same truth in Philippians 2.10. He says this, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Did you know that there will be a time, no matter who it is, that everybody is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? Some to their glory, some to their shame. I would rather receive and say, Lord, you are Lord now. And hear the Lord say, enter in, thou good and faithful servant. But there is coming a day. Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of his mouth. Christ's word will not return void. Do you realize that that simply means as well that the devil the adversary of your soul will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord I want you to think about that for a moment that one spirit that, that, that being that, that rebelled against God and tried to take over God's position and God dropped, kicked him out of heaven with one third of the angels that same being that has tormented you, that has tormented your family, that has, that has tried to get your mind to think in opposition to Christ, that from the time you were young would prey upon your carnal nature to get you to do things that, that, were, con, 
that were opposite of and not pleasing to God, that same one that has tried to divide your family, that same, that same one that has, has thrown up so many obstacles in your life, that same one that has tried to destroy you, has tried to destroy your parents, has tried to destroy your brothers and sisters, has tried to destroy nations, that same one, you're going to be there one day when he bows his knee and confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. And at that point, the Bible says we're going to look at him and say, is this the one that wrecked havoc with the nations? My friends, if if you really want to have eternal life, it comes through Christ. Christ's words will not return void. So the real question is, not just how to have eternal life, but what does it mean? How do you submit then to the authority of Christ? How do we submit to his authority? How do we get to that place? Do we just say the words? Do we have an incantation? Do we, do we walk around the church? Do we, what do we do to submit to the authority of Christ? Well, Jesus tells us in this, in this same verse, he said, I am the bread of life. And he said, whoever, don't you love that word? Whoever. Did you know you're a whoever? You're a whoever. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Because Jesus is a good cook. Whoever comes to me, comes, must be willing to go to him. See, I think there's a misconception many times that we can dictate the terms of our surrender to the Lord. Oh, Lord, we're gonna, I, I want to submit to you, but I want to hang on to these things. Lord, I want to submit to you, but I still want to do this. Lord, I want to submit to you, but I still want to have this, this attitude, or I want to still have this habit. Lord, I want to submit to you, but, 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 I want to do it my way and in my time and, and under my terms, and, and that's not how you surrender to the Lord. When you surrender, you say, here I am, here's everything about me all my thoughts, my actions, my desires, everything, I lay at your feet. Because when you surrender, you surrender. Jesus will not allow someone to surrender under their terms. It's not I surrender some, but I surrender all. See, and that's the beauty of surrendering to Christ is when you get to that place that you're so desperate. I remember it. I remember before I knew Christ, I remember struggling, thinking I'm going to lose my identity, that I'm going to lose who I really am, that I'm just going to be this robot that, that, that it just goes around trying to do good, that he's going to, you know, that, that it's, it's not going to be me. And I wrestled with that, and I fought that, and I, and, I, and I struggled with it. But the internal desire to know Christ, the internal desire to be right with God, 
was so powerful, was so overwhelming. And by, by the way, no one has to tell you if you're right or wrong with God. If you have an open heart, God is going to speak to you. You will know if you're right or wrong with God. And it was that desire, that passion, that desire that led me to a place on a Wednesday night that I walked from that pew down to the front and gave my life to Jesus and said, I am all in. I don't care where you send me. I don't care what you want me to say. I don't care what you want me to do. My life is yours. Every aspect of my life every bit belonged to him and it was in that moment it was in that moment that the presence of God transformed my life for the sins that were so heavy and the chains that bound me from the habits and and the desires in my life, when I laid them at the foot of the cross and I said, God, I don't care what you do to me. I'm all yours. They were washed away. I will promise you when I got off, stood up from that pew and walked down to the front, I felt like I weighed a thousand pounds. And when the Lord took that burden away from me, I felt light as a feather. And for the first time that night, I understood what it was like to lay my head on a pillow, knowing if Christ was to come, it was well with my soul. There is nothing more satisfying in this life than for the Lord to fill your heart with his presence. That hunger, that craving, that desire we have, that we search and we try everything in this life, it's not satisfied until you surrender to Christ and then you realize why he says he is the bread of life because he fulfills your heart, he fulfills your soul, that, that hollow part in you that, that you're always hungry for something, he is the only one that can fill it. But it doesn't happen on your terms. It happens on his. If you remember in Luke chapter 15, the, the story of the, the man that has two sons and his younger son said, Father, give me my inheritance now. I'm gone. I'm out of here. You have to understand that it, you usually don't receive your inheritance until after, after your parents pass away. What he was saying is, I want what, what you're going to give me, and I want it now, and I don't care if you're alive or dead. And the Bible says he took his and went into another country, had a bunch of friends because he had a bunch of money, and spent it all 
on what the Bible says, riotous living. He was partying. He ran out of money. Famine hit the land. This is a Jewish man, that, and the Jews are not supposed to be around pigs. They don't eat. They don't eat bacon. They don't eat poor guys. And this man finds himself feeding swine and he's eating what the pigs are eating just to survive. And somewhere in his mind, he said, wait a minute, the servants in my father's house are treated better than I am treated right now. He said, I know what I'm going to do. And listen to this. He said, I am going back to my father. And he, and he said, I am going to say, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I don't deserve to be your son. I am happy, content just to be a servant. What was he saying? He was simply saying this, I was wrong and I came back. And when I came back, I'm not going to try to get the terms of my surrender. I'm just simply saying, Father, here I am. Every bit of me. Not trying to, to determine what I can or cannot have. I am just at your mercy. The Bible says something amazing about him. He said when he was heading back toward the house from a different country and he was coming down the road, says his father saw him a long way off. Isn't that amazing? That the son that said, hey, I'm out of here, the father was still looking for him. Can I insert something here? Man, I feel the spirit of God doesn't matter if you've moved away from the Lord if you just simply say God I've messed up I'm coming back to you you're not going to have to look for him you're not going to have to try to find his attention his eyes are already on you scripture says when the father saw his son coming a long way off he ran to meet him. He ran to meet him. You say, well, why did he do that? Because that's his son. Did his son treat him unfairly? Yes. See, his father didn't care because love was so overwhelming in his heart. Jesus told that story in Luke 15 to help illustrate 
the amazing love of God toward us. It's the idea of complete surrender to the Lord. Not, not a partial surrender. Not, a, not I'm going to, to dictate the terms of my surrender. Notice the, the guy didn't come back and say, Father, I, I kind of messed up, but I, I want to be reinstated. He just said, I don't care. I just want to be back. I've got to have and be associated with what I once knew. And I don't deserve to be in the same role that I was before. But the father said, bring a robe, put a ring on his, on his hand, signifying he's my son, and kill the fatted calf, because we're going to celebrate, because my son that was dead is now alive. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. I have more, but I, I, I just really want to focus on this moment. Jesus says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. As the Father forgave his Son and wrapped his arms around him, Jesus the visible image of the invisible God says, come to me, all that are weary. And I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you rest in spirit. I'm going to feed you because I am the bread of life. I am going to stop that hunger that is in you. But Jesus said this as well. He said, in Matthew 19, 14, Suffer the little children and forbid them not to come to me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Coming as a child, uh, I love little kids. I've always just, you know, found a, an affinity with them. Maybe our IQs are the same, or I don't know. But I, I, I do know this, that little children are completely dependent on their parents. They look to the parents for food. They look to the parents for clothing. They look for the parents for, for comfort. They look to the parents for everything because that is the very nature of children. Jesus said, when you come to me, come to me completely dependent on me. I'm going to ask, if you would, would you stand with me? Can I speak freely? I believe God is speaking to not just one, but many today, whether you're here, whether you're watching online. And perhaps you've, you've allowed things into your life that, that 
you know are not right and you've tried to renegotiate with God. And it hasn't satisfied you. You can't lay your head on your pillow at night and think, it's well with my soul. But can I encourage you that as the father was looking for his son, the Lord is just waiting on us. The Lord hasn't moved. He's right where he was. And there's nothing that you've done. There's nothing that you could have said that will ever diminish the love of Christ for you. And the most amazing decision that you will ever, ever have in your entire life is when you say, Lord, I can't do this. But you can. And I am coming completely dependent on you. I wonder if there's anyone here today. I'm going to ask our elders to please come. Tom, would you please come? If you're here today and you just want the Lord and you're not going to negotiate with him, you're just going to say, Lord, I'm all in. Maybe you've never known him. Maybe there's something in your life that you just want to deal with. It's not shameful. It's the most glorious thing that you can ever do is realize that I am all in with God. Whoever the Son sets free is truly free. As we sing this song, this altar is open to whomsoever will.